0: Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Hi, guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. You know how, for the longest time, we had, and I guess very much still have, a girl crush on Julia from Miami? Yes. I would like to announce new Bravo girl crush unlocked, Jordan from Winterhouse.
1: Oh my God. Yes. I obviously so get that. I think she is so stunning and cool.
0: And I was re watching her and Danielle and watch what happens from last week because I was like kind of starved for content this week. And she just has a like, I don't know, very chill vibe about her.
1: I feel like she could be like a constant, almost like a page in a way where she's going to be around and on more shows because she's so cool and likable. And you can tell Andy feels that way. Yeah. 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 That's important, obviously. I mean,
0: Really what I would like to say is I know you haven't been watching Winterhouse in the way that I have, which is completely understandable because you watch a lot more TV than I do. However, given the lack of episodes this week, since we have to record this before Wednesday in order to put out
1: an episode, I just need need to be a little indulged with the Winterhouse content this week. Okay, so I indulged Emma and I watched last week and this week because I knew... How important it was to her. And I honestly was so curious because I started seeing everybody talking about it. And I did my homework and I'm ready. I'd love for you to lead the way in this conversation because it's your passion project. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, first of all, I just want to thank everyone who encouraged us to watch because I've really been enjoying myself. I also have to say that I think it's very fitting that the first week you decide to watch is when Schwartz comes in. And obviously, you
1: are a Vanderpump expert.
0: So at least I'm sure on some level it felt familiar.
1: For sure. I mean, Seeing Schwartz in this setting with all new people, but still being himself in such a Schwartz way was like it was like a piece of home. <laughs> but also in
0: the midst of scandal. I mean, he's right. literally leaving the house to go film the reunion. That we are getting him in such a like vulnerable spot.
1: And so fresh off of like the Katie stuff. You know, I almost am watching it with a modern day lens where I see them like at BravoCon and whatever versus when this was filmed, like this is old. It is old. I mean,
0: when he made the comment in his confessional about the Raquel hookup, it took me back for a second. I was like, whoa, that feels like another life because even during the season, them hooking up at Sheena's wedding was so quickly overshadowed by everything else that was about to go down.
1: No, that feels like some some fake thing. I mean, it kind of was, just like some weird other life that we lived. But I also remember reporting on Schwartz leaving and going to the Winter House so vividly. Like that feels like yesterday to me because obviously Sandoval was supposed to go with him. It was a whole thing. And I just remember like pictures of Schwartz arriving and we were just like, oh my God, what is he thinking? What is everyone saying? Like just such a big deal.
0: And and by the way, this is exactly what I would expect. Exactly. It almost tracks too perfectly.
1: No, I mean, we know our boy well.
0: Okay, so getting into this week's Winter House, I first just want to reference a comment Kyle made last week that I think is kind of a good lead-in to a lot of what we saw go down this week. And I believe it was when they were at that bar and Alex was talking to other people, Danielle was visibly displeased. And Kyle said in his confessional something like, Watching Danielle and Alex is such a good case study of how casual sex in
1: this environment is impossible. And I think that there is a lot of truth to that statement. I agree. I just think watching Danielle in this way coming off of like Summer House, but also with all the Lindsay stuff is so beyond fascinating. And also the element of her having Amanda there as like her wing woman friend is like, this is why these kinds of shows are just, they are the social experiment of all time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it cannot be ignored what Amanda said in her confessional about how hooking up with someone so soon after a breakup, specifically a breakup of a relationship you were in for so long, is a whole different ballgame because even if you want to go into it with the mindset that she initially had of like, this is casual, it's just sex, it means nothing, I want to get mine, which like fully support that for her. On some level, you are used to more romance. You're used to that person caring for you in a different kind of way. And I actually think what can happen is that it's very jarring. Like in theory, you want that casual, non-committal, you know, we can have sex and then sleep separately. But I think you don't realize that's not what you're used to. And in a lot of ways, it's maybe not what you crave. And so (laughs) there's so much to deep dive here. And I know in some ways it was a little bit hard to watch, but like, it's just, I almost felt she wasn't being entirely realistic with herself with what she was capable of in that moment, which is like totally, totally fair coming off of as long-term of a relationship as she was in with Robert.
1: And how close together this was to when like her and Robert really ended, which I have to only assume was like really traumatic and heartbreaking just based on what we saw go down. Like this is a, it's kind of like a risky jump to take to dive into the house like this. And like in Theory, I think it's a really good idea, and like it gets your mind off of it, and you have all these opportunities. But it also can probably be really scary and like kind of a weird place to be processing your emotions slash doing things for the first time with cameras watching you.
0: Right. I mean, as we always say, this isn't the normal human experience. Not only would you typically not be in a house like this with a bunch of other single people so soon after a breakup, but it certainly wouldn't be filmed. Like that's that's what was one of my biggest takeaways from this episode of like, you know what? Say what you want about reality stars. God damn, they are brave for having this
1: shit filmed. And they're doing it for the good of the people. <laughs> like they're doing it for our entertainment.
0: No, they're doing it for the love of the content, which is something that I very much appreciate. But in terms of this Danielle and Alex situation, there's so much here. I mean, okay. What, what can be ignored, and I felt like sometimes wasn't being mentioned specifically when Alex was recounting it, was, yes, there was a piece of Danielle that was feeling unwanted, unprioritized when he or she is basically begging him to have sex, and he kind of doesn't seem overly interested, which at the baseline level is just a hit at the ego, whether or not they're going to acknowledge it. But when he was recounting it, let's say to Amanda, a lot of what he focused on is like, she wants to have sex and I just want to hang out with my friends, which by the way, was part of it. But also there was the whole Jordan element, which is him actively and continually pursuing someone else. And again, Danielle went into it wanting casual. Alex is correct in the sense that in the beginning, Danielle was encouraging him. But for him to not like at least say out loud, yeah, of course she's not thrilled with the fact that we just had sex, which whether it's casual or not is still an intimate thing. We cuddled, we slept together. And not only am I totally uninterested, but I'm actively pursuing someone else that has repeatedly turned me down. So if you're Danielle, you're looking at the situation being like, okay, so it's more appealing to continually be shut down by someone who is so clearly not into you than to be with me, who like is very much into it and showing you how into it I am. You know, like the, the, the lack of acknowledgement about the hit to the ego felt necessary to mention.
1: Well, yeah, I think the hit to the ego, but also what you said about them only being there for two weeks is such an important piece of it because like you feel like they live five hundred lives in these two weeks. I mean, it really does feel like six months. But you have this, like, I think if you're Danielle, this understanding that like we're only here like time is running out. You you pick a, a partner and you just go for it. Like there's not that much that can happen. Whatever happens after the house is over and the show of the filming is over is fine, like fair game, but you know, you partner off and you do the damn thing. And I think she kind of felt like, okay, we partnered off, we had you know, good sex, we we were cuddling, we had a great vibe, like now we're going to continue that and then by the time we don't care about each other, we're leaving. So I kind of get it from both sides, like if you're Alex, you feel like you're doing nothing wrong. This is just really casual. But also I get it from Danielle's side of like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like you got to pick a lane. Well, I think that what was
0: confusing from Danielle's perspective is that it wasn't as though he was saying, you know, I have no interest in sleeping with you. I know in some ways his actions showed that in terms of him overly pursuing Jordan, but it wasn't like he said to her, you know what? This was fun. I think we shouldn't do this anymore. Because if someone says that, I don't give a shit if it's a guy or a girl, you have to respect that. He wasn't saying that. He was into it. He just wasn't into it enough to stop him from doing the other things. And unfortunately for Danielle, and I think looking back on this, or maybe not because she was like, fuck it. But I think unfortunately for Danielle, what I so would have wished would have happened is like, you know what? see that for you, love that for you. We're not going to fight about it. I am just removing myself because clearly if you don't want it that badly, if you would rather be denied than be with me who is opening myself up and like very much down, you told me everything I need to know. And she wanted to do that. Like she got close to doing that. Obviously they were drunk. It was inflammatory. And then she gets in the hot tub, she removes herself. She does the things she gets into bed and then you're drunk, you're laying in bed, you're alone few nights ago, the guy was right next to you and she texted him, which like, no shame. Obviously everyone's been there, but you know, not ideal certainly. And then the fucking cherry on top, he comes and she falls asleep. So it was kind of, it was kind of just like worst case scenario in terms of things that you have to watch back being
1: honestly either one of them. I know, again, back to not normal human experience. Like you drunk text someone or you make a mistake or you know you're doing something wrong, but it's kind of just like, you just have to do what you got to do. But then to have to relive it a year later and get everyone's feedback, it's like, ugh. But I get it. Like she, I think just felt. She was desperately craving that connection. I think she really came into this house wanting to hook up with someone or have some sort of fling and like feel like I'm doing this for a reason and it's really going to be really good for me. So when she had it in her hands, I think she felt like she had to fight for it, even if it did come off like, you know, a little desperate or not the best way that she would usually handle things. Cause she's like, whatever. I don't want this experience to be a failure and I don't want to leave here, not having had a successful something.
0: Well, I think the intimacy portion of it is is huge because, you know, yeah, maybe in her confessional, she's initially saying that she wants to get laid and I'm sure on some level she does. But I think what she's really craving is the intimacy because when you're having sex with someone for as many years as she was with Robert, it's not just sex. There's like a deep, intimate, emotional connection there. Then when her and Alex are actually in the moment, cuddling, sleeping together, having sex together, she's feeling that intimacy. And that is a very... Addicting feeling. Like there's nothing better, you know, than falling asleep in someone's arms if you were into them. And so what I think was happening is that like she wasn't consciously doing this, of course, but it's just like the natural human response. I think specifically the natural response for us as women to crave that and then to have it and then to have it be so kind of like taken
1: from you, it'll it'll shake you up, you know? Yeah. I just think she was like in no position and in no mood to be shaken.
0: Exactly, she was too fragile to be shaken, and he was so the wrong guy to have the honor of being with her for the first time. Yes, post yes. Robert, that's kind of like how he thought. Also, by the way, something that cannot be ignored when talking about this is it was not her decision to break up with Robert. Something she said in the beginning of this season was that if it was up to her, they would have stayed together. You know, she she was. Saying, I'll pretty much do anything. And he said, No, there's no shot. Like, I am checked out. So she's coming off of that experience already feeling a lack of being desired, a lack of being wanted. And then to be in a position with this guy where he goes from coming on, not strong, but, you know, giving her the same flirtation that he kind of just doles out generously and then turning a corner it's it's, a, it's not a settling situation to be in. So I get that the way she was acting was maybe a little bit cringe, but it was so much deeper than what we were just seeing. Like we were really only seeing the surface of that. Yeah, wow.
1: Guess this is a good show.
0: So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash cbc. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash cbc for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the Conception Aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Okay, I feel very strongly that we discussed this Katie and Tom situation because I was so surprised at how invested I got in such a short amount
1: of time. You know, honestly, I think it's because they had like a legit connection.
0: Okay, I think that's a huge piece of it. And also, I find that the below deck women, specifically Malia, Katie, and Aisha, are just like as real as it gets. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a below deck watcher. So this is kind of my first experience with them, with the exception of watching that one episode that we discussed where Asia and Captain Jason handled that like situation just spectacularly. And the vibe that I get is like, those are the girls that you want to hang out with at the end of the night. Like those are the girls that are going to have your back in the bathroom. And I think like they were so real in a way and what she was expressing felt so real and not performative. And I, I think also sometimes with like the Danielle and Alex stuff, it's a little bit for me, at least it was a little bit hard to connect because I can't understand how anything about him is appealing or desirable. Like, Like not his looks, but just the way he was being was so gross to me. Whereas Schwartz and I understand, you know, all the past, but if you didn't watch Vanderpump as she didn't and he's just coming in, I actually think compared to the way someone like an Alex is being, shorts is kind of a breath of fresh air. So I got why she was feeling that way because you'll you see the way he does it. He kind of becomes almost like one of the girls in a way. And I think she felt this
1: just inherent comfort around him. So I have watched a shit ton of Below Deck. And I think these girls are like, the girls, the cool, fun, easy, breezy, fun group that you'd want to be around. like they picked such a good mix. And I think for Schwartz specifically, he's so used to being around like the Vanderpump, Beverly Hills Housewives, l a crowd that like this is really a, a vast difference from like what he's used to and the kind of girls and people that he's probably been around and flirted with, like you know, a raquel, Katie, all the people. but also, just going from a marriage that was long and televised and heavy and dramatic to like his first easy breezy hookup is like the biggest 180 you could do. I think he was probably having almost like culture shock in a way of like, whoa, this can exist. This can be it. I think everything that we saw him struggling with wanting to have with Raquel, which like all that bullshit of like, I could kiss people, I can have fun, I could be on vacation, Obviously, that wasn't going to be the outcome when you're in the group. So to remove yourself from the group and also be with these girls who are like super easy and just go with the flow, I think was like a huge just wake up call for him and why he was maybe maybe struggling because it was so out of his comfort zone. Well, also,
0: it was in the middle of one of the most stressful experiences ever, right? Like Right. He's coming off of. And the fact that I think in general, L.A. can feel really suffocating specifically for you know, a reality star or an influencer or someone kind of in that scene that I think at times it can feel very vapid. But specifically in the middle of Scandaval, like I can't imagine a place you'd rather go to than a house in the middle of Colorado with like these really cool Australian girls. Like to me, it's, it's so funny because I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, probably the last thing he wants to do is go film a reality show. I actually think it was probably so refreshing for him but what we see with Schwartz is, you know, constantly self-sabotage, right? Like he has this commitment to just never make it easy for himself. And I have a, a couple of comments because I know for whatever reason, and I know it's not a popular opinion and people don't love this. Like, I, I, I don't hate the guy. I just can't. I don't, I whatever it works on me. I, You know, like I, and the, there have definitely been times throughout Vanderpump where I have, but in an episode like this, I don't know. I just like find him enjoyable to watch. But two things that I want to mention. First of all, the name thing was driving me fucking crazy. Like f- one, because it was just annoying. But second of all, for her sake, how's that going to be the thing?
1: Right. Like literally the one thing you can't fucking change. Like, what do you want me to do about it? As
0: you see in the preview, you know, towards the end, when she's basically like shit or get off the pot, you know? So that's thing number one. But second of all, I found a lot of irony in the fact that throughout the time he was actually with Katie Maloney, he could not give one singular fuck about embarrassing her or disrespecting her now you are post divorce post raquel hookup all of that this is actually the only time when it doesn't really matter when you have full free reign where Katie Maloney is not worried about what you're doing in Colorado or if she is even she knows that you know there's nothing she can do about that and that's gonna be the thing to stop you it's like it felt, and I don't mean that it was intentionally manipulative. I really don't feel that it was, but it almost felt like what a weird hill to die on and what a weird attempt at appearing noble.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like where was this when you were making out with a wait another waitress who was named Katie or like literally just not giving your wife the time of day? Now you choose, you know, like if I'm Katie Maloney, I'm literally watching this being like, I'd rather him kiss her. Right and, and but I think what really pissed me off is
0: that and it pissed me off is maybe a strong term but what didn't sit right with me is that in the process of this like way after the fact commitment to showing Katie the utmost respect you're actively disrespecting someone else in the process and that I didn't like you know it's like he was coming at it from the perspective of not wanting to be selfish but I actually felt it was kind of selfish in terms of the way he was handling it with her. right. I just felt for her because they vibed and it could have been
1: so easy and he did not need to make it into something that it wasn't. No. And I think she was kind in like accepting that he's, you know, still processing things and everybody has their own shit, obviously, but like he wasn't offering solutions. It was sort of like, I can't say your name. And it's like, okay, so call me a nickname. Like, she's trying to come up with something. It's like, we're kind of stuck here, you know? What What do you want me to do about it? And I almost was just like, Schwartz, I get it. The name thing's weird, but like, you got to grow up or you got to figure this out because it's painful. But also, if the name thing is going to be such an issue,
0: then as sweet as it was, don't buy her the earrings. Right, right. You, you can't You can't play both. Still her name. Right, still her name. where? By the way, where was that when you were purchasing the earrings? Like... That, that was the part that I just didn't like. You can't give someone something and then say, oh, you know what? I, I just, I can't get there. I can't get there.
1: I think the way his brain works too is that like, if and when Katie Maloney watches this, the girl's name being Katie will make all the difference in the world. Like, let's say her name had been Jane. If he'd been hooking up with her the whole two weeks and they had this whole romance and her name was Jane, like, I'm pretty sure Katie would feel the same exact way as if her name was Katie. Like that being her name is just like a ha-ha of fucking course, crazy coincidence, but it's not like the make or break of how Katie's going to view this whole situation. No, it was a him thing. It was not not a Katie Maloney thing. It was entirely
0: a him thing disguised as a protecting her thing. And in the process was just disrespectful to this Katie. I, I don't know. It was like, all right. It was a waste of time. It was a waste of time. And also he wasn't even there for the full two weeks. It's a waste of time specifically when you have such little time and you just got to get over it.
1: Got to get over it. I do feel like, because it's such a short period of time, like way shorter than Summer House or anything, I almost feel like there needs to be like a clock ticking, like the countdown to New Year's Eve in the corner of each episode. Because I do feel like they're almost rushing. Like, okay, gotta make a connection, gotta start hooking up with someone, you know, day one, gotta set the the roots and make it happen so that by the time week one is over, we're we're leaving next week. It's like it's it's over so fast.
0: Yes. I honestly a countdown would be very helpful for my own sake. Like helpful, but also stressful. But you know what's funny? It's actually not that different time-wise than Summer House because Summer House only films for two to three days of the week.
1: I know. I know. But I guess it's just like the longer period of time. Like they're still talking and like interacting even when they're not physically in the house.
0: No, no, of course. I'm just really enjoying the show. I also have to say, you know, initially with. Brian Benny, who I absolutely adore. It was like so clearly not happening with any of the women in the house. And that's why I was so glad when he took his talents elsewhere because you could tell he was really feeling like, God, I am 0 for like five at this point.
1: Yeah, well, it's such a small group. It's like, it's impossible that everyone's going to pair off in that way. Especially some aren't single. Some feel this way. Some feel that way. It's It's not like Bachelor in Paradise. It's just not.
0: Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits and exclusions may apply. For all terms visit spotpetins.com/sample-policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services LLC. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. One of the most telling things was... You know, obviously, in terms of this whole Corey and Sam situation, where in the beginning it was very frustrating—like he would not identify the relationship, he wouldn't just come out and say, "Yeah, I, I'm not single," like, and it's not a situation situationship; they were in a relationship. And as Danielle was saying on Watch What Happens, you know, it felt uncomfortable for her because obviously she's Sam's friend; she knew what was going on. She wanted to shake Corey and be like, "Dude, what the fuck?" But she kind of had to let him handle it. And as Malia said, and I think last week's episode you know, when Casey had been talking shit about Sam saying that she was trash and finally Corey finds out and confronts her at the table, Malia says in her confessional, like, oh, you want to find out if Corey's with Sam? Talk shit about her and watch him defend her. Like, yeah, here they were in a situation ship. He wouldn't define it. He wouldn't give it any life until someone talks shit about her. And then he's the first one to like defend his girl, which, yeah, appreciated. But also
1: where was that energy when you were just simply asked about it? Yeah, I feel like, Sam, obviously is pissed, but at least that got it out of him.
0: Yeah, of course. Listen, a worst case scenario would have been him finding out that Casey had been talking shit and not saying a word. Like that is exactly what you should do when you find out that someone's talking shit about your girlfriend, but it shouldn't take someone
1: talking shit about your girlfriend for you to acknowledge that she's your girlfriend or whatever the correct word is, you know? Right. But then when, you know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, there's no going back now.
0: Well, no, at that point, it's like, oh, so you're going to stage a confrontation and then deny that you're together? No, like then, then you know, he, he no. made his bed. Too late. I just think in general, and I think it was Kyle that said this when he was talking, I think to Brian of like, this just is a pretty good vibes house, specifically compared to so many other share house type situations that we see, you know, like they honestly seem to really get along.
1: I thought it was a good job casting. I agree. It's a, it's a good vibes, high vibrations. The second, Jason showed up. I was like, Well,
0: the last time I saw you, you were in Giselle's kitchen.
1: I know. I'm like, How'd you get from Giselle Bryan's kitchen making sushi to the Winterhouse kitchen? <laughs> Speaking of Potomac, the way that I felt is
0: like when I sit down to watch Potomac, I am seated and ready to go. It is always a highlight of my week. I look forward to those, let's say, 46 minutes. And for us to spend so much time on this Wendy and Eka bullshit when it wasn't even true, like Ashley completely botched that, was so frustrating when there are so many other things we have to get to. Like, give me more of Karen and Robin having a truce. Give me more about Karen and Giselle having the hard conversations about Juan. This is bullshit. And we all know it's bullshit. And specifically after the fact, when we find out that their families know
1: each other, it just, the, the whole thing was so unnecessary. The only way I can like kind of rationalize it is that we are really gearing up for a Wendy and Eka sit down, blow up conversation. And like, it better live up to the hype.
0: Right, because we're here for Ashley's messiness, like as much as the next guy, for sure. But there's a difference between messiness and then just pulling something out of thin air.
1: Yeah, and just like completely botching it. But also, it was like fake made-up Ashley drama, but then now there's like actual drama with the family and the cousins and Robin's obviously eating it all up. And I don't know, I'm just like ready to see them sit down face-to-face and hash this out because I can't deal with them telling other people about it anymore before, like we've even really seen them meet. Like they made eye contact at Ashley's house and that's the only interaction we've had so far. But... I do think it's gearing up for a great plot of them fighting and, like, you know, going back and forth. And then Ashley will get blamed and it'll be a whole thing. But I just like that every woman has something interesting going on. And I felt like this episode was a lot of like one on one between like two women at lunch or something. And like they had great dynamics and great conversation about themselves, but also other people.
0: Right. And speaking of one-on-ones, the preview for next week where it's Giselle and Robin sitting down and Giselle's basically recounting to her, I guess, a difficult conversation she had with Juan and feeling as though, you know, maybe Robin didn't handle that in the best way. And historically, it's always been the narrative that, you know, Giselle and Robin always good, nothing could get between them. And that has been the case and I think will be the case. But then what happens when Giselle is no longer on board for Robin to be treated by Juan, the way she's been treated by Juan. That complicates things because that's no longer other women drama. That's Giselle caring about her friend, yet the thing that is making her upset is said friend's husband. Like, (laughs) that's something we haven't really seen, recently at least.
1: I know, and then we're going to get in the whole conversation of like, if Robin's happy, where do you draw the line with your friendship? Like, how does that work? And then it also really shows... I don't know, Giselle is she getting involved in the messiness? Like I'm I'm so curious. And and our favorite conversation when you have business, aka their podcast and merch that comes with it, live shows like wh- when do you decide to draw the line because that complicates a lot of shit. Oh, completely. And by the way, Robin and Giselle are fine and will
0: be fine. It's not about that, but the bottom line is that Juan Dixon's not going anywhere, or at least hasn't up until this point. And it's not like Giselle's frustrations are just going away. So, you know, it's it's not unique to her. What's unique about it is that they're on a reality show. But this is a situation a lot of people feel with their friends where at a certain point, you've just had it with a significant other because you know that your friend deserves so much more than what they're getting. And like, how do you play that? You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it.
1: Yeah, I know. There's a lot. And also like, I think Giselle was pretty like honest and had this vibe when they had the intervention about she's obviously made a, t- a lot of mistakes and been through shit. So she's not pretending she's holier than thou, which I, I hope it continues to be the theme. Instead of judging Robin, more being like, I've been in your shoes and I want to help you because I love you. Yeah,
0: completely. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but there was a part of me in this episode that felt like justice for Monica.
1: It felt like a weird rewriting of history 30 seconds later when Heather was like, what? What are you talking about? You, Everyone, you just exploded out of nowhere. It was like her wanting to protect Lisa so badly because they're in a good place and being so worried about ever being against Lisa or like appearing that she was against Lisa over took her common sense or like memory of what just happened. And I look, yeah, maybe a little justice for Monica. I don't agree with her behavior and how she like interacts with this group. It's just kind of like weird to me. But this whole like Heather starting this game in order to stir the pot and then being confused when the pot was stirred was kind of bizarre. Totally bizarre. And I also feel like it's
0: unfortunate because Monica is easily triggered by them And they also know that and lean into it. So it's a really unfortunate combination.
1: Yeah, because they know that a game like that is obviously going to stir shit. Heather's like, she just wants everything to be good before the trip and this lunch was to do that. Then like, you don't play a game like that.
0: And I also felt, honestly, like Lisa was really playing with fire when it came to her comments regarding Monica's mom. It's it's just a totally unfair angle to come at. I thought it was a really, really low blow. And similar to how when they were at Angie's house and Monica was getting into it with her mom, and you could tell it was bringing up so much childhood shit. And she said in her confessional, you know, it, it felt like little Monica. That's how I felt here. It was like, I was upset for her that she allowed herself to get to that point and to give them the satisfaction. But I understood why she was having kind of that reaction because she's the only one there that understands the the shit that has gone on with her mom, which very much feels to me like on some level, a bit of an abusive cycle. And so for then these women to look down on her for it and minimize what she's gone through and make it as though it's some negative about her. Yeah, I think that that's infuriating if you're Monica.
1: I just think Monica has a lot going on and perhaps joining a group like this when maybe you could be so easily ch- triggered and it also bringing your mom onto the show was like maybe not the best idea, although it's so entertaining. It's just the women shouldn't be pushing her to this point, but also it's not their responsibility to like try and figure out what might trigger her. And I just think it's like a really unfair balance for both of like her and the group that they're trying to make work. And it's just like not working, especially because she doesn't really have a friend ally in the group. So naturally, no matter what, anytime she's upset, of course, it's going to feel like a a group ambush. Well,
0: right. That's kind of the elephant in the room. It's like, listen, as much as I'm enjoying the drama and of course, I'm fascinated by seeing the inner workings of this relationship with her mom, I don't necessarily think it's what's best for her, which may feel a little bit hypocritical because obviously... So much of the time we appreciate this vulnerability and it makes good TV. And obviously it is making good TV. I think there's just a part of me that's feeling really sad because this is not the group that is going to make you feel heard at a time that you clearly need to feel heard. Like Lisa Barlow, God bless her, is not the person that you want to be on the opposite end of the table about fighting about your relationship with your mom. It's so not an environment that could facilitate any sort of healing and that's so badly what
1: she needs. I know. I mean, we are like so the minority and always being like it's not right for her as a person, like she should take this time off. Like it's entertaining as fuck reality TV, but like it's getting to a point where that's all I can think about.
0: I mean, listen, I'm not some, I'm not some saint. Obviously I'm watching it and we're recapping it. It's not like we're above watching it. I'm just saying if you were asking me honestly, like if we didn't have a Bravo podcast and you're asking me from like a therapeutic perspective I think this is the best thing for her. It's a resounding no. Like how fucked up? Here you have this like deeply traumatic relationship with your mom. She's basically taunting you. You then have the women witnessing one interaction and Lisa Barlow feels the liberty to tell you how you should or shouldn't be handling a situation with your mom. That is
1: literally worst case scenario for someone in the middle of this type of situation. Yeah, I mean- I think they're all going to Bermuda, so that'll be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, that's that's some shit
0: we are <laughs> definitely going to be watching.
1: I saw a rumor. I did not do any research into it, but I saw a rumor that Jen Shaw is going to be calling into the reunion. Wait, is that real? Hold on. Maybe I'm falling for something on Twitter. No, I, I saw the rumor. There's no way. I think there's no way. I saw it too, but to me, that's like full fake news. Like, oh my God.
0: I, I honestly think just
1: think... I don't think Andy would let it. Yeah, I know that's what you're going to say. But also, I just don't think Jen is about to zoom in in the reunion without like her full glam situation. Well, yeah, also that. And I don't think that's something that
0: she has access to or can afford at the moment. No. I I swear to God, I'm not even just saying this. I don't want it. Like not to say it wouldn't be entertaining, but we were so like deep in the Jen Shaw weeds last season and it was so... Draining. That I I really think her being gone is is beneficial. Honestly, I feel yeah. that way.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a a good decision. I mean, not that it was her decision, but like it it all worked out. Yeah,
0: completely. I just think I don't know. Monica's feeling very isolated, and the way this whole thing plays out is going to be interesting. Because by the way, while I very much enjoy the Heather and Lisa friendship because it's just like hilarious in nature, I can imagine if you are on the opposing end of Heather basically blindly defending Lisa, you're like, wait a damn minute. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) all right, wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, something is so off here. And that's kind of what's going on. And then you see the preview for next week where like, you know, things are bad when Monica is feeling as though she's driving the most comfort from venting to Mary. Like, right. That's, (laughs) that's a certain kind of situation. (laughs) You know, what a crazy show. It really is a parody of Housewives. It is the weirdest show on television and I fucking love it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Anything else that you want to mention? I know this was a shorter week. Like I said, we had to get all of our recording done on Wednesday because obviously our producer is off for the rest of the week. So unfortunately, no Miami, no Beverly Hills, no Southern Charm, which as you know, is a knife in my heart. But The big three. Yeah, literally the big three, but...
1: We'll be back next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say next week. And just feeling very thankful for Bravo and for all of you who listen to our shenanigans every week.
0: Yes, I told you guys, and I always say this, but it's so true, the gratitude runs deep and that it's not lost on us. So hope you have the best Thanksgiving and have a relaxing weekend. And thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And we love you.